0: There you go. (laughs) Welcome back to Challenges of Faith radio program. I'm Gary McKenzie, and thank you for joining. I'd like to acknowledge the listeners in Ohio, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, New York, Chicago, California, Florida, Texas, our nation's capital, Maryland, Missouri, Arizona, Virginia, Michigan, Paris, Nigeria, British Columbia, London, Canada, Hundesburg, Philippines, Port of Spain, and elsewhere. I wish I could name you all, but for the brevity of time, unfortunately I cannot. I'd like to acknowledge our father who's translated over, Mr. Eli McKinsey, Junior, our beloved teenage mom, Mrs. Mary Gibson McKenzie, and siblings, Brother Michael, who's translated over, Carol and Debbie, Jeff, KK and Karen. Well, it's a humble honor for me to interview a well-known painter, teacher, musician, and author, someone who happens to be my beloved brother, Kevin. We open up with one of his songs that he'll talk about later in the interview. Kevin, welcome to the Challenges of Faith radio program. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. Thank you for real. First and foremost, how are you and your loved ones?
1: We're doing really well. Uh, we're here in California enjoying this beautiful weather that we have uh, and we're taking it easy. And look forward to coming onto your show today, so I'm really excited to be here. Hey, I'm
0: excited to have you on and sit back and enjoy yourself and just have fun. Kevin, what were your
1: aspirations while growing up? Well... You know, I wanted to be many things as we all do as children. Uh, but, you know, we participated in sports. So I wanted to play football, we did basketball, run track. Uh, we listened to a lot of music, so I wanted to sing. And, but more importantly, I wanted to be a painter. You know, we had, uh, mom had this copy of Gainsborough's Blue Boy in the house. And I would sit there. I would stare at that painting for hours and hours and hours. And uh, it was the kind of thing that really moved and motivated me. It was so beautiful. It made me feel good. So I wanted to be able to do that someday. I wanted to paint a painting that made people feel good. As
0: a result of your childhood aspirations in drawing at the age of six, What steps did you further take to pursue your desire relative to art?
1: Uh, Basically, I've taken every art class I could find, (laughs) you know, from elementary school straight through college.
2: You know, I've been taking art.
1: uh, I majored in art in college. I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, you know, and not only that, I learned as much as I could on my own anything i could find about art i would sit down read you know it's not a linear thing sometimes you have to do a lot of research on your own you know particularly nowadays that the you know, arts programs are cut schools so i would go to museum i would read books i would do anything that i could to get all the information that i needed for uh, the projects that I wanted to work on or anything that I wanted to do. And so I started at a young age and I, it kept me going and found motivated today.
0: So why are you starting out at six years of age? Any advice for that young lady, that young man at six years of age, that uh, sitting there like a you? Pondering what to do with their life in the future, and again, as your song had opened up, talking about the world today, and that little Mm -hmm. young person is out there looking around their environment, and their city, and their state, or whatever they happen to be looking at, because they also be looking up
1: in space.
0: What advice do Mm -hmm. you have
1: for that person? My advice to that person is to first and foremost figure out what it is that you love to do, and I know that sounds cliche. Uh, you know, everyone says, you know, find the thing that you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, it's true. You find the thing that you love. But more importantly, after you've found the thing that you love, you need to figure out uh what the foundation of that is. You need to build on that foundation and you need to pursue it. When it becomes, uh, you know, it's going to be tough at times. But if you fall out of love with it, you have a chance to step back for a little bit and reevaluate. So, you know, I really encourage everyone to find the thing that they love and to do that thing. And don't give up on it because it gets hard. Just do it, follow through, and you'll be rewarded for it in the end. Kevin, you alluded to uh, college
0: in Pittsburgh, which we'll talk about in a moment, the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. But since Mm -hmm. you alluded to it, did you experience any challenges while you were in school? I did.
1: Waking up early (laughs) without (laughs) myself. (laughs) Getting out of bed. (laughs) You know, I was 17 when I went to art school, so it was different. Mom would wake me up. Mom would iron my clothes. <laughs> Mom would say, you know, it's time to uh-huh. eat breakfast. You know, when you turn, when you're out there on your own, uh, your mom's not there. You might hear that voice in your head saying, you know, get up, it's time to go, but you got to be motivated to do that. So uh, that was the major challenge was, you know, not having the family around to tell you what's uh-huh. right, what's wrong what to do, where to go, how to get there. I figured all that out on my own. Um, but it, it's also, it was also a wonderful experience because you meet different people. You meet people from different states that you didn't know about, different countries. You hear different accents and you get to know a little bit more about the world. So, uh, and that was exciting. That was the exciting part for it, you know, of it. For me, anyways. Um, So, yeah, that was a bit of a challenge, being in an environment with people you didn't know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I was laughing, uh, not at you, but
0: with you, as relates to the uh, learning from our beloved mom. I remember, I believe, at 13, and uh, she was always watching her favorite program, The Price is Right. And... um, and unfortunately, uh, I hadn't done right in school, so they said you need to go home. And um, and our mom said, uh, "Hey, you need to learn how to iron." And she told me, she told me, "Listen, you also need to learn how to cook because you're gonna get out there one day. The only thing you're gonna not do is uh, eat peanut butter." And when she said that, hey, you know, I had to be a little bit smart. I said, well, can you put some jelly on that peanut butter as well?" So when you were saying that, you know, it's powerful lessons that you do take with and that you do learn because they're important in life. And just like you said, you uh, were blessed to be spoiled and be able to be awakened and then to go to school and they're like, hey, we ain't having that there. You're in the real Mm -hmm. world. And so what you're saying to those who are aspiring and what advice, just like you have for, that six-year-old. What advice do you have for that individual, irrespective of their age, that's contemplating attending any form of college? But in this particular case, because we're talking about your expertise, the art and art institute somewhere.
1: What is your advice yeah. for them? My advice for them is 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 simply this. Uh, don't limit your experience to just what you're learning in school. Because what you're learning, although what you're learning in school is very valuable and it's important, your life experience is going to mold you. They're going to be the thing that shapes what you do after school, how you get along out there in the world, you know. It's your life experiences that count more than the actual uh You know, knowing the one thing or learning, the book learning. It's the life learning that helps. So, you know, use as much of that as you can in your creative process, and you'll be okay.
0: Kevin, after graduating from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, where next and why?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I was – I was – kind of tired after, you know, leaving school. I began I was a bit rudderless and, you know, all through school I had put myself through um by working in restaurants and so tired. You know, so I I basically took the opportunity to uh, just take it easy for a little bit. I was working in restaurants and I ended up going down south to South Carolina, where our other brother Greg is, and I uh, was just hanging out on the beach and working in restaurants, uh, working in a restaurant with him. And he was Ke West school in the Lobar, where he was the executive chef. And so that was pretty much my days. I hadn't thought about art for a while, didn't want to think about it. I was you know just a little tired. And then that's, you know, like I said earlier, sometimes you just have to step away, step back for a little bit, you know, gather your thoughts, and then you can come back to it. Well, I was in South Carolina for a while, and I had stayed in touch with a buddy of mine who I worked with at the uh, Vista International Hotel, and he had come out to California. And so... I came out to California to visit and you know, I flew out to hang out with him a little bit and uh, flying into California and I'm looking down on the plane and all I see is like burning buildings and smoldering and, and all of you know, LA was on fire. I didn't know. I didn't know any of this because I didn't watch television at the time. The only television or anything I saw or radio programs was from, you know, about sports, the NBA championship or the Super Bowl. That was the only television I watched. I was too busy, just hanging out, um, and working. You, know, you work and you go hang out at the beach. That was my life. So I fly out to L.A. I'm coming out here. I get off the plane. He picks me up at LAX, and he's. We're driving through L.A., and everything is on fire. And I had no idea. So I said, well, what's going on? Is L.A., you know, what what happened here? And, and he told me about the Rodney King verdict and the subsequent riot you know, the police officers. Oh, so, you know, this was kind of the thing that actually renewed my interest in the arts. Uh, I ended up staying out here in California, so i work in the restaurants, which is something you can always do. You do work in a restaurant. You can work anywhere. And then uh, I became the manager of the Pacific Dining Car, which is a, well, a well-known, world-famous cake house. And then I started recording songs again. I just started writing and recording. And uh, that was pretty much what I did for a while.
0: Well, you know, you're laying down some powerful foundations that hopefully, irrespective of who the listeners are, of every culture and age and gender and race and so forth. But you're letting them know that as a six-year-old what the aspirations were, and you, you began to pursue them, irrespective of how you did it, you went everywhere to keep attaining knowledge so that you can apply it to your life, and then you hit it off to college with the help of Barbara beloved mom, and then the college staff gave you some further assistance by fan hold on, you're not going to be sleeping in here. And then you mm-hmm. had your challenges that you had to end up, continue to grow from a head knowledge standpoint. But it wasn't just from a head knowledge standpoint. You also learned that in order to continue to move forward and live, you got to have some food and other things inside of you. So you begin to work, put pride to the side and do that work. And then when you had your challenges, you still move forward. And then it was time to move forward again into the real world, coming off that college campus. And you took a moment, and like you used the word rudderless, a lot of us are, just trying to find mm-hmm. our way in life and hopefully we have the right counselors around us so that are just not leading us anywhere. So you went ahead with one of our beloved brothers and was able to spend some quality time and learning time and working time until you began to figure out what you needed to do and wanted to do for you. And then again, as you indicated, like we do, there was an individual that you knew who was a friend for you, and you went out to where you are, and your interests apart, that which you started off with, that which you went to school with, was able to be renewed because of what you saw there, the reality of life as you entered the California world. Kevin, what made you interested in music? Well, uh,
1: your temptation songs. <laughs> All right. In, sitting down. Well, nobody knows this, probably. Um, but I would come home from school, right? And I don't know. well, I would put in. Go ahead. You will now. Here, I would put in. This is true. I would put in. Uh temptation songs and my favorite at that time was Ball of Confusion. You know. I love that song. And what I would do is I would put on my sunglasses and I'd stand in front of that big mirror in the bedroom and uh I'd dress I'd put on my dress clothes and I'd stand there and I'd sing <laughs> Ball of Confusion. I'd sing that whole album really. Into mm-hmm. uh into the mirror. And I, I think That was the beginning of wanting to be a singer, a songwriter. You know, it was that experience. That album actually was very influential on what I am, on me becoming, you know, musical, uh, singing and wanting to sing and dance. That and the fact that there was always music in our house. You know, that Mm -hmm. mom Mm -hmm. would play gospel music on Sunday mornings. She would Uh break out the gospel. Um, or we listen uh-huh. to the I'm sorry if I'm uh, I don't know if it's still around But we would listen to the radio station And the company would be there uh, uh-huh. We Church whenever we go visit Family down south It was always singing, uh-huh. dancing And you know that In itself uh-huh. was the thing We were music There was music always around So I could not uh-huh. Want to be a part of that in some way?
0: It all started. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, church and so forth, I was sharing with one of our our sisters, Carolyn. Where uh, our our beloved parents, they took uh, Michael and I, and they dropped us off at a at a place of worship, and you know, gave us the money to wish to put in and. You know, Michael and I were so thankful and so nice and we waved goodbye as they drove off and we went in the front door, looked at all the pew members and when they were passing around for you to put the money in, we held on to ours and went out the back door and when our parents came to pick us up we was there looking like we really was worshiping that day. Listeners, speaking of music, the songs you're hearing and we'll hear tonight R. Kevin, Kevin, even though you love music, how was your
1: art career mm-hmm. progressing? it wasn't i um I was burned out I was burned out a little bit, but i was I had a good job. I was working at the dining car, like I said um, and then this this next part of my journey was quite interesting because it's the thing that brought me back to art actually. I was working at the dining car. When a friend of mine from South Carolina gave me a call, said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. He said, you want to open a jewelry store with me? And I said, a jewelry store? Okay, well, that's something I've never done. Let's try that. (laughs) So I headed back to South Carolina, you know, and uh, by the time I got there, the economy started to dip a little bit, so jewelry store wasn't uh, probably one of the best things to open in a down economy. You know, not too many people are looking for luxury items. So instead of the jewelry store, what we did was we opened a pawn shop. Now, I didn't know anything about the pawn business at all. Uh, his, he and his wife uh, did, and so her brother, one of the, vet pawn shops in in North Charleston, and so we decided that we were going to do that, open a pawn shop. We did, an 18,000 square foot pawn shop called Mega Pond. We built it from scratch, took an old uh, furniture store, converted it into a pawn business and we opened the doors. Um, It took us about a year to do that and in about a year, in another half of the year, I couldn't take it anymore. wasn't the kind of thing that I <laughs> – I couldn't
2: do that. I have to. I, so, it, you
1: know, it's not – they're not bad people. There are some good people that come to pawn shops. You know, we used to call it a poor person's bank, which it, it is, you know, but the haggling uh-huh. and the you know, having come from the dining car, right, where I was ah. dealing with movie stars and politicians and mm-hmm. you know the, the biggest lawyers in L.A. and then going back to North Charleston and working in the pawn stuff, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And in, it just down. It was. It really was just destroying me from the inside. And mm-hmm. so I walked away. I left. I took a few weeks I went to, I had no idea what I was going to do. I really had no idea what was next. I didn't know anything. I didn't want to do anything else. I just didn't know what was next. I was lost, man. I really was. You know, I had, for a year and a half, I, I basically, uh, I built this business from up you know, with these people that I love, I absolutely I love these people, but mm-hmm. it just turns out for me and so
2: mm-hmm.
1: I spent two weeks traveling across the country, coming back to California. I stopped off to see our grandparents in Alabama. I stopped off to see our parents and family in in Ohio, and then uh, I was just driving across country and stopping in towns and drawing and painting and driving and drawing and painting with no clue that I was actually doing the thing that I was going to end up doing to my life, you know, Mm -hmm. drawing and the painting. And finally it dawned on me halfway back to LA that I'm going to go back and teach. I'm going to teach artists who feel the way I feel about it. And then I can express, I can teach them the way I would have wanted to be taught. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's how the whole thing turned my life around. Got, uh, you know, working in this direction, that I'm moving in now. It's I was, um, go ahead. Yeah. It's amazing and, how and, some of the choices that you make that could, could have been really good. I mean, the pawnbroker business is very lucrative, but, it's mm-hmm. uh, not at the cost of uh, losing who I am as a person, so mm-hmm.
0: you know, two points, as you were sharing, I um, the love of music and an art career progressing in the different um, fields of endeavor starting out with. You know, our beloved father, I used to look at him as a jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and I remember where he would try to uh, uh, teach uh, me from the perspective of learning about uh, how to work on automobiles and all that, and unfortunately, that was not my forte. But at the same <laughs> time, what's funny about it is that I normally tell my staff or or people I come in contact with to make sure that you always have so many different types of background because you never know what could happen to you, like you alluded to, that, you know, I mean, people, hum- uh, humans, humans will, for whatever reason, you know, um, may, it may be envy or whatever the case may be. You may find yourself not in a particular position, but make sure you're always able to fall back on whatever you need to fall back on. And another part was where you were sharing about, you know, you put pride to the side while you were trying to uh, find some roots to put your feet into so that you know how to move forward. And just like you indicated as relates to the pawn business, you know, and it is, you know, for whatever reasons why people go to, um uh, uh, to turn in whatever they have known for their purposes and then again mm-hmm. uh, looking at that because it can be uh, it can play into your mind where the battleground takes place uh, people's misery and so forth but it's a business and that's what it indeed yeah. is but so you were blessed to have been in the position as you alluded to, to publicly and privately
1: instructing painters which you expound yeah, so on my way back, I did, and I decided that I wanted to, to teach. Um, well, I came back to California, and I found a company uh, in which I could immediately start just go to work teaching, and 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 I did that. I didn't uh, go to teach in the schools because they're highly regimented. I wanted to work with people who. Um, who were teaching The art of art And they also taught the art of teaching Art to people um, And I found that really interesting I found that very enlightening Because it is very much An art form Teaching anything is an art form And teaching the art form Of the art form <laughs> its kind of it Blows your mind Because you can break it down and simplify it so that it can be understood and i I was just fascinated by the idea of teaching um the way i wanted to be taught not the way that i was taught but the way that i wanted to be instructed my whole life like i said i was kind of burned out by the time i finished college and so i just wanted to i just wanted to get out there and and you know, start putting all of this knowledge that I had to good use. Um, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. And it was enough just to get me excited about learning more and more and more and doing more and more and more. And so that led me to my philosophy of teaching, which is, you know, you start with the basics. You teach people The strength of the foundation of the basics of what they're learning, regardless of what it is, if they have a strong foundation, they're going to enjoy it better. They're going to thrive faster and longer. Now, mind you, the the foundations are really difficult to learn at first because everybody wants to get to the shiny part of it. You know, we want to get to the finished painting. And that's one of the things that I struggle with with my students is that they initially, they just want to make that cool painting. But my goal ultimately is to get them to understand that the foundation is the strength of all of their knowledge. They're going to grow so much faster when they've mastered the symptoms. And that is one of the special things that I enjoy most about teaching. And I've built uh, classes with students who've been for me for years and years and years. I mean, I initially started teaching children, and some of those children are still my students today, you know, and they've been with me 15, 16 years because I wanted them to learn the right way. And they're excited about what they're doing.
0: And I'm sure as a teacher, when I allude back to uh, when you left college and trying to find your way and and so forth and then finding your way, that some of the lessons that um, your students have, are, and will learn is the fact that you can go to uh, school and for one degree, two degrees, irrespective of what the major happened to be, and then have the expectation, unless you really know somebody, uh, to be able to walk out those doors into the door that you wanted to go in without having to put on all those different backgrounds. And when you yeah. don't have those doors to go in, then that discouragement come into play, and that's the real world coming back to you. And I'm sure that a part of your primary goal and part of your core philosophy is and that's bringing you to love what you're doing and have done is because, you're taking the cooking from the top shelf and you're making it real. And when I say that, I am saying that you are making sure that your students are identifying because you are identifying with them so that, therefore, it becomes teachable and learnable for all involved. Kevin, how have you challenged yourself? And why is it important to
1: challenge the limits of your students? When there's something that I don't know, and I learned this from from, from our father, I, um, when there's something I don't know, I will learn how to do it. I won't rely on someone else. I, I will sit down. I will go to the library. I will pick up the book. I will read it. I will try to figure it out. If it's furniture, I'd rather build it than buy it. And so I challenge myself to do things that I don't know how to do or things that are difficult for me. And that's the same thing that I I task my students with. You know, don't rest on your laurels. Don't sit back and say, well, I can do this pretty good, so I'll just keep doing this one thing. You don't grow that way. You don't grow as a person. You don't grow as an artist. You don't grow as a student if you're content with, Just knowing that one thing, or knowing those two things, and being really, really, really good at those. No, that doesn't work for me. It may work for a lot of people, but my challenge is to learn more than I know and to constantly It gives me something to look forward to. You know, it uh, it it helps me to grow. I I do the same thing with my students. You know, they they start off with, with one style of painting and as they learn more about themselves they and more about the craft they then branch out and want to know more and no more and no more and no more, more artists and uh, that's how i do it and it seems to be working out okay i think
0: <laughs> well you're successful at it and i was laughing as you were talking about our beloved father because <laughs> I was laughing because uh, I, I'm on the opposite spectrum. I, I take after our mom, you know, um, and my patience probably has not been where I'm going to learn. So I go in, reach in the pocket, and go ahead and pay for it. And uh, <laughs> and then the and then the second part, which is important, is is so like you're saying, it's about learning teachable parts. And moving forward, and I was thinking about, even with the staff, uh, my vulnerability, you know, men don't like to hear that word vulnerability, so you can place another word in place of it. But it is true. For example, if I give my staff an assignment to do, there's an objective, there's a timeline. And even though there's an accountability, if, if they don't move forward to do it, then I'll take the baton and make sure that the objective is accomplished. They're, that's apart from holding them accountable, but at the same time ensuring that the objective is, is addressed and dealt with. And that's correlation back to what you were saying as it relates to, you know, rather than waiting on somebody else, you're learning to do it for self so that you're not at the mercy of any and everybody else. And all that becomes teachable. Yeah, Kevin, let's let's yeah. turn toward your business Kevin McCann's fine art You've come a long way from the sojourn The foundation that we've been talking about The aspirations of a six-year-old Going to college Don't have mm-hmm. the luxury of being awakened by a beloved mom Getting out there <laughs> in the real world Just trying to search and find you And what you want to do and So we, before we begin A California author friend of mine who also graduated from the College of Art and Design, had a chance to view your art. And she indicated mm-hmm. how good it was. And, of course, without bias, I agreed. So, Kevin, <laughs> would you share with our listeners your inspiration behind your fine artwork and as it relates to that which you have titled, Reflections, Mannequins, Fashion, Consumerism, and a Desire to Paint for as laypersons and students entering art schools? or I get ahead. So what's
1: your aspiration
0: behind it all?
1: Well, the uh, my artwork, uh, in the artwork, I see the stories of the people, the places, uh, the job. Everything that I've done has come together in artworks that I create. Now, I started thinking about all the things that I've done and how to express it when I started off um, painting again. And it's one thing to teach painting when you sit down and you're working with your students and you're all painting the same thing and 10 people can see it 10 different ways. That's one thing. But if you're looking at a... a Doing a duplication of a famous artist, a Sargent duplication or something. Yeah, you, know, you want to you want to know how that person did that. But for me, I was looking for a way to express everything that I'd done in my life, and I wanted to put that in the first series, which is the Reflection Mannequin series. Um, and, and it came to me that reflections of my life and the stories of my life, humorism are all the same thing. So I started taking photographs of um, actually Karen, my Karen took photographs of um, a show that was done in New York City, Chaos to Couture at the Met and there was some fascinating images in there. And she came home and brought them and she said, look, check these out. And it inspired me. I actually took The photographs in the first series, those were hers. And I stripped them down. And I started finding imagery inside of them that I wanted to bring out. And that's how the series started. And then the second series that I did, um, Humanity Interrupted, is also based on the same premise. And these pictures were taken in Beverly Hills. And so what I do with the painting is... I look in the painting, and generally when we're looking through a store window, we're looking at what's inside of the window, right? Our, our view and our focus is so narrow. We're generally just looking at the object in the window. And so what I decided to do was to broaden the focus and step back. And when you broaden the focus as you're looking into a window, you see two worlds happening. You see the world that's happening inside of that window, the consumer view, the thing that they want you to see, the the object or the item they're trying to sell you. But if you're also looking in that window and you broaden your gaze, you see the street behind you. You even see yourself. And you're as much a part of that imagery as you know what they want you to see and so this whole concept started playing over and over in my head and i started figuring out how can i how can i incorporate both worlds how can i pull you know my image and put the other image in and i started tinkering and playing with these paintings and it all just kind of started falling in place um, and, and those are the first two theories that um, I started working on. And it just started growing from there. Um, and, you know, occasionally I will do, you know, loose paintings of shoes or um, mannequin portraits just for fun. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's the crux of my work. Kevin, for
0: us laypersons and students entering art school, when you say that you pull out the image you see or want to see, what do you mean?
1: Uh, well, normally when you're when you're taking a look at, uh, nowadays artists use you know, photography to because you don't have the models sit, um, and I like mannequins too, because they take the place. Of of active people, um, you know, people have baggage, and when, sometimes when you're painting them, it shows up. You know, you can see, you can see anything. You can see the good, the bad. They're having a good day, a bad day, and I, when I paint, those things come out. So I like mannequins because they don't have that, that baggage. Um, And I say baggage, baggage sounds, um, it's almost a bad word to say because it's not baggage, it's just life is happening to people at the time that it's happening Mm -hmm. to them. So baggage is probably a really bad word not to, I didn't really want to use that word. But um, so the images that are there, right, are, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to create a feeling, you're trying to create a, a a a moment you're trying to capture a single solitary moment with an image. And you want the viewer to have access to that. You want the viewer to, to move in and out of your your painting with you. Kind of like I did with mom's uh, blue boy. You know, I would just look into the background of that painting and then you start wandering through the whole painting, buttons and the pose. And so you find those images and you enhance those so that the viewer can see those. But those images are also surrounded by, as you know, you can say less important images or less important facets of the painting. So those are the images you, you see and you don't see because they're less important than the ones that you really want your viewer to focus on. And so that's what I mean by that.
0: Listeners,
1: we're going to take a break, and when we return,
0: we will continue with our guest, Kevin McCants of Kevin McCants Fine Arts. We will discuss his book, Music, and Upcoming Art and Film Project. We'll return in a little bit. ¶¶ is the Faith Radio Program. I'd like to acknowledge that some new listeners from Reno and Las Vegas, Denver, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs. Thank you for joining Kevin, you wrote a book titled, McCants, Reflections of Mannequins and Man. What did it tell?
1: Well, the book is basically uh, my last 40 to 50 paintings. Um, I have Series in there. I have the mannequins reflection series, humanity interrupted series. Um, I have of family members, uh, portrait, last drawing. It's all in there. Everything I've done since I came back to California. Well, not everything, but a lot of everything that I've done since I came back to California paying again and the reason for it is i wanted to document my work um you know artists nowadays we can we can document our own work whereas and we can tell our own stories before we didn't have those luxuries they they could try um you know but it's always down to someone else to tell their story for them and i wanted to document the work and have it out there with uh, because I wanted to do it. And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can also use it as a, you know, a tool for promotion. Um, and it's it's pretty good. There's not much writing. There's some song lyrics from Art and Fuse, the band, and myself. Um, uh, one of the songs you just heard, or two of the songs you just heard, actually. And uh, so there's lyrics... In there as well as The artwork and, uh, You can find that book At blurb.com you Just type in Kevin McCann's and uh, It'll come up Alright Kevin let's turn Towards your music
0: you headed out to California after graduating from art school with music on your mind. You've been blessed to create and sing four songs that we're going to hear this evening. We've heard two. Mm-hmm. Listeners, as a reminder, the songs, again, you're listening to are Kevin. All right. So, Kevin, what are the names and the
1: reasons
0: behind each?
1: Well, the first them is Rise and Shine. And... Uh the one you just heard there was Chance. Now <laughs> the band Art Diffuse okay. is one of, you know, several bands that I actually played with and, and recorded with. Um unfortunately the album that we listened to was never released because again, they're bands and people have their own ideas about what they should do. Um mm-hmm. but and <laughs> you know paddling upstream is harder than just going with the flow sometimes. So, That's right. Um, but basically, what I did was I, I started, I was playing with a band called the South Bay Blues Authority, and um, I listened to a demo that this band had done, and it was the song Chance. And so they needed a singer, and I started working with them and we created Chance um, first and then six other songs. Um, but I've recorded in total, I think, six albums. Uh, on, and I had two or three of them on my own that have been, they're out there in the ether somewhere. I I don't even know where at this point. Um, there are a couple of songs on SoundCloud. But, yeah, there are, A lot of music work. Um, Music is an interesting thing because you don't rely so much on yourself unless, of course, you're Prince and you can play every instrument under the sun. But uh, you have to rely on others. And uh, and a lot of times... Communication is is a difficult thing with people you can't communicate with. That's one of the drawbacks of Bayhawk. It's an amazing thing that some bands stay together as long as they are, but it's a lot of work. The songs that I have for you today are Rise and and Shine, Chance, um, I believe Out of the Cave is one, and we um, get which is the fourth one that I sent to you, but um they'll yeah, so and these songs were born out of um, just my observations of life in general um we we created music because of circumstances that we see, just like my artwork it's you know it's. The same thing. It's observation. It's what you see and what you want to say. Um, the beauty of music is that you can write lyrics to say what you want to say, and you can express, the, you know, with sound the thing you want people to feel and hear. You don't know, have that luxury with painting, but um, and, and we did that. We we were an eclectic band. Composed of uh, two black guys, two Filipino guys, and a white guy, and we came up with this unique sound that uh, was art infused. It was really something special until it wasn't.
0: The um, when I I I normally share with people, and a lot of people are uh, li- listening to have tuned in, you know, I don't talk about me, you don't talk about you, and so the private part come out. Uh, when I, I listen to music, I listen to the words of the songs and they, they identify with exactly what you're just sharing. Or when I write, as it relates to books, I'm writing from what's on the inside. Uh, that's really why a lot of people don't hear me talk, uh, because I write and uh, listen from that perspective. And a lot of people may not be aware that the book of psalms are simply songs. Songs, mm-hmm. a musical instruments. All right. So, Kevin, let's turn to, and I am sure, is an upcoming exciting project for you. A few weeks ago, you, along with other prestigious guests of and from the community where you reside, we're discussing an important upcoming art film project on Facebook. Kevin, what were your discussions, which was open to the public, and what wow. is the upcoming art film project and its importance?
2: <laughs>
1: the um, upcoming art project is going to be a film called the Gather. Uh, it's basically the story of... Black Santa Monica and how its residents were removed early in the the 19th century, 20th century, um, by the use of M domain to take them away from their properties, which has happened all across America. And so I'm working with the Orchestra Santa Monica uh, and their conductor, Roger Collier, who... Is also the music director. Um, Raymond Knapp is a historian and a musicology professor at UCLA. Uh, Derek Guy is the composer, and Robbie Jones is the owner of X Santa Monica Tours. And we came up with this project. Or they came up with the project and asked me to join, uh, in which I'm going to do painting for the project and it's going to be quite a thing. They're gonna we're gonna film and we're going to have a concert with the Orchestra Santa Monica in order to promote the We Gather Black Life in Santa Monica project. Listeners,
0: if you want to see a recap of the discussion, which was in-depth, you can visit the orchestra's Facebook website. It's also listed in our show notes. But you can find them at www.facebook.com slash orchestra, S-M, cap capitalized, s slash and you're right there. You know, I was listening to you, Kevin, when you were sharing with the uh um, discussion or the film art film project is going to consist of. And it reminded me that uh, it was interesting because uh, it's only been a few weeks ago that I was uh, uh, going through some um, uh, documents and so forth and so forth. And, um, and I found what I have been looking for, which was an unpublished uh, manuscript and it's called come on home for Closure." I don't know what the final would be, uh by the time it's released next year. But uh, the reason why it was written is I wanted to, on behalf of my son, who's translated over, I wanted to make sure that he knew uh, both sides of his mom's side, my side, in terms of our parents, grandparents, and so forth.
2: And I remember
0: talking to uh, who I call mother, which is our grandmother, our, our beloved mom's mother. And I remember uh, when uh, starting that particular uh, book uh, manuscript and um, and she was asking me about uh, my research, and she was telling me she was telling me about an individual who happened to be white that would come by and visit the people in her community and and he ended up becoming wealthy behind. What he was writing about the South, in essence, he never gave them credit for the information that he gleaned from them, and based upon what I could piece together uh, from Mother and Granny, which would be our, our beloved mom's grandmother and our great grandmother, I uh, began to do the research, and then, on our father's side, going back to Africa and to, to various places and into the United states and across the United States and seeing where, you know, and in Detroit I can only find one at, at that time, one uh, 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 um, McCants, who was uh, from the European standpoint, apart from the last name, you know how the last name is, is, is uh, giving up and so forth and so forth. But it was interesting right. because you alluded to uh, the art project and how, you know, properties and so forth uh, have been uh, uh, Taken And so forth and so forth Kevin, what are the next steps For the Black Life in Santa Monica Field project? Well, what
1: we're, we're up to now Is they're actually um, Recording The orchestra music And um, Roger um, Is Going to be conducting that Derek Skye is composing it and there's, I believe it's going to be three pieces that he's working on. Um, and then the filming. We're all in different stages of the work. I'm I'm over here on my own painting this painting. And they're going to come in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have them film me working on the painting. And uh, I don't know how it's all going to be sliced together, but they're going to do something wonderful, I can imagine. Um to put it all together, and uh, I, I believe that along with the actual film being shown, we're going to have an actual concert by the orchestra of Santa Monica to uh, play the music live for everyone so this it's upcoming, and it's all in the works, and we're really, really, really excited about it.
0: you know it's uh, Sounds not only exciting, it sounds educational, and I just hope that whoever the viewers are uh, appreciate all of y'all's effort and heart that you put in it and and the experience because it's for the future and the pondering for everybody. So that just like you indicated in terms of how your band was was composed of. Uh, Different individuals from different backgrounds, and but at the same time representing the human family. Kevin, any other right. upcoming book and music projects you're working on?
1: No, I'm just finishing up the painting. I, uh, In between on the days when I need a break from it, you know, I have to step back from it a little bit, take it in, um, gather my thoughts and... Uh, in between that, I do a few paintings uh, and drawings, actually, of African American dancers and ballerinas. I'm doing a series called Black Ballerinas, you know, it, it, um, which are a series of drawings, watercolors, and uh, paintings. One of the paintings is of Miss mm-hmm. Lynn who is uh, one of the more prominent African-American dancers or ballerinas in the world. So um, these are all just for me, though, and they're going on my website. Actually, a few of the drawings and the Misty Copeland painting is on my website, kevinmccantspaintings.com. Feel free to go there and have a look at all of my paintings as well as Misty Copeland. And uh, you won't see anything from the Santa Monica Orchestra painting there, but you will see all of my other paintings. Uh, and notebooks as of yet, and no music projects as of yet. I really want to buckle down and knock this painting out and make it spectacular if I can. And
0: listeners, again, I would uh, second what uh, Kevin is saying, not because he's one of my beloved siblings, but because, you know, when we talk about supporting each other, or individuals who happen to be black, it is important not just to talk about it, but to do it in shoe level, because a lot of times that's what we find ourselves doing. And we've got to check our motives at the door. Let it be from the heart. Let it be because you really are interested and you really want to know Because history is important. You you want to know about history because you have your own story. And then you have the story of your ancestors. But at the same time, your ancestors want you to go forward and create other stories of other individuals that have come into your life, that have impacted your life, not only for today, but for the future. Kevin. When you look back yes. over your powerful sojourn to where you are now, what has been challenging to and for you?
1: The most challenging part is staying true to myself. There's there, there's always a time when you can uh, take the easy way out. You can take <laughs> it's not, now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with anyone who's ever done this, but you can use, you know, money over uh, creativity, which I've done. I'm not going to say I've never done that. You can take money over creativity. You can, you can take power over, uh, you know, whatever it is that you need to do but i found it necessary that it was it was easy for me to stay the course and sometimes that was the hardest part was being true to myself um i it hasn't always been easy to be true to yourself and that's one of the things that you're going to find out for those who, who are young enough our younger listeners out there, it's not always easy to be true to yourself, but you have to, you know, if you want to wake up every day and have a smile on your face and do the thing that you do, you have to be true to yourself, and, and that's not always an easy thing to do, but it's a part of the journey. You're going to have temptations and bumps along the way, and it's just a part of life, but Um, and the way to rise and shine.
0: I had, uh, as I was listening to you, you know, we all have the feet of clay. You know, but as I was listening, and again, as you're trying to share with those who are out there um, walking indoors or potential doors, Or inside the doors, who are faced with diverse temptations. I remember having a conversation with our beloved dad, and um, and he posed a question. Uh, uh, When I walked away from the uh, in a high-ranking position, I was making I I think almost seventy at the time. uh, But I played back when I left the corporate world, and here I was with a guy. really in control of half the United States based upon his money. And he'd donate to both political parties. And and I'd be on his little jet, and we'd fly up to Long Island where I had a place. And and he'd get just taken over a a newspaper company and so forth and so forth. And he thought I was bored by it all. Then we'd fly back to Miami and get on his yacht over in Key Largo where he didn't have to spend any money and all of that. And, but each time, uh, and I remember this one time I had this staff member, and, and I let him take my little car just to uh, take me to the airport, and, and I would always grab the underdogs, those off of the street, and teach them, you know, computer and this and this and that, and or individuals who would become a part of this guy's company, who were presidents and vice presidents of his company, so forth and so forth. But I share that story and those stories because, Leading back to what our beloved father had asked me one time. And I turned to him and I said, out of respect, I don't like corruption. Never did. I don't like corruption. And I say that only because, again, you know, the higher you go in society, depending on, uh, the more reality it becomes for you. And then you'll have those different temptations, you know. That's why I say feet of clay. In the mm-hmm. end, like the advice you're giving, one will know what they need to do. And, again, it comes back to both of our beloved parents. You know, our, they've always told us, you know, uh, to always do right. And, mm-hmm. and I remember our beloved mom and our beloved grandmother, who I call mother. And, uh, and I remember both of them in correlation would always say, especially our mom. Uh, you can be anything you want to be, and don't let anybody come along and tell you that you cannot. And just like you and all of our siblings have shown that to be the case. And that's why when you look out, going back to your first song and your second song and, and about providing hope and the fact that, you know, look at all the individuals, irrespective of, of their background, the economics, and all of that. And the skin tones, because we all came from each other. When you look at our beloved parents and our siblings and so forth, and the beauty that's within them, then you know that. And then you're displaying in your drawings and your singing and so forth. That's important. And again, Kevin, you indicated how listeners can purchase your books and your fine art painting and so forth. How can they contact you for potential interviews? and or visit?
1: You can contact me through uh, KevinMcCantsPaintings.com. Just click on the email link that comes directly to me. You can uh, contact me through the email, which is, it's U-M-C-L-E-P-A-L-L. Four you, and that's the number four and the letter U, at gmail.com. You can always send uh, an email to me, and I will get back to you that way. There are more links on my uh, webpage that you can go to, or you can look me up on Facebook or um, Instagram. Kevin, what
0: final words do you have of the up? incoming painter, author, and musician?
1: Never stop learning. Never stop being interested in learning. Um, you don't know what you don't know until you need to know it. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. Um, always grab a book, grab a magazine, grab, go to the library. Take time out to do that don't just say i'll get to it when i get to it stop and when the thought crosses your mind i need to know that go go find a way to get that information it's there you have all the access to anything that you need to know uh at your fingertips nowadays which is something i didn't have growing up but i take full advantage of it now um and And it's very important that you never ever ever settle for what you know because there's always more you can learn
0: you know I was um thinking i had uh, i remember speaking to our beloved mom and and letting her know that um that our parents uh, did a did a uh, excellent job in bringing us up. And that's something that they should be uh, proud of. And, and as a beloved parent, you re- realize, and as our siblings do, that, you know, uh, irrespective of how old you may get, you can be 12,000 years of age. They're still going to look at you like you're a little old child. And that's the mm-hmm. way in which reality of life is. My beloved Brother Kevin, thank you for coming on Challenges of Faith radio program and sharing your story and for being a role model in your field of expertise to and for many. Please return and provide updates when desired. Proud of you. Love you. And make sure you go in peace and keep being doing, Sam, what you're doing.
1: All right. And you return. Thank you. All right, my brother.
0: You're welcome. Listeners, where well, you've heard from my beloved brother, Kevin McKinnon, and you've heard his sojourn, his story. And we all have our own story, our own sojourns, and I was laughing. Out during the missionary sojourn, I remember, irrespective of where God has left me for my life, one of the things I used to laugh about is my and Kevin's beloved mom. If she was able, because she wasn't always able, but whoever she could find in the family, probably out of the family, if you knew her mom, she would make sure she had somebody come along and try to get the license plate number off of my vehicle, wherever vehicle I was driving, and wherever state it was in. And I would crack up because on the inside, she must have forgot that I'm an investigator on an investigative business. And I knew what they were doing, but I would laugh, and I wouldn't say anything. Because that's our beloved mom that we've got to continue to give honor and respect to. And finally, and going back to all that Kevin was sharing, which is real for everybody's life, irrespective of where you are and your age, and those of you who are listening globally, I'm reminded of a story. There was a ship, S-H-I-P, set off from New York, a lot of them, on a quiet mission. The captains of the ships were told not to tell anybody where they were going. So they got out to sea, SEA, on that quiet mission, that secret mission. There was a storm, a bad storm. That storm caused the ships to be separated from each other. Ship number one looking off at a distance at ship number two, not knowing if ship number two was a friend or an enemy. But ship number one took a chance, and they called out to ship number two asking a question. Where are we? Well, ship number two responded back to ship number one, where'd you come from? Ship number one says, we don't know. Ship number two then asked ship number one, well, where are you going? Ship number one says, we don't know. Ship number two finally says, ship number one, if you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going, it doesn't make a difference where you are. You've heard from Kevin tonight, you've heard him share where he came from, you've heard him share the challenges, whether it's in school or even as a six-year-old just trying to navigate the future for his life, you heard his sojourn to the musical world and the individuals surrounding him, you heard his sojourn as he entered the California world, You heard his journey as it relates to singing and why the songs and the writing, the book, and how he come up with the art ideas. You heard him give credit, not only to his beloved mom and parents and siblings and so forth, but also as it relates to the people in his life, the loved ones and genuine friends. And you've also heard him really talk about in between lines, those that may not have been genuine, but he had to learn from. That's the reality of life that we all have to learn from. But you also heard him share what he teaches his students, that which he has learned. And he's trying to make sure that they go forth and be all that they're supposed to be. And guess what? From teaching them as children to where they are now, they're still with him. So that means that that sound advice that he's giving them the sound for their life. And you've also heard him talk about that upcoming and the art project and those involved from UCLA and people of the community. And they touch on the past and they deal with the present, but they're moving forward toward the future. And that's what should be going on in the United States of America. And there, where you live at, those of you who have tuned in globally and who continue to tune in, Challenges of Faith radio program. And we thank you for taking the time out of your precious time tonight, today, to listen to Kevin Sojourn. You have your own Sojourn, your own story. Know where you come from if you can. You know where you are. You might not know where you're headed, but it's time to learn. Move forward. Don't be afraid. Move forward. I'm Gary McKenzie, and thank you again for tuning in to Challenges of Faith radio program.
3: No place to sleep. What do you see when you look in the eyes of those who can't afford to weep? Is this the place the heavens gave to us so that we can live in harmony? Will our greed...